0: Block Talk Radio. Block Talk Radio.
1: All right now.
2: All right. Yeah. Let's
1: Welcome to the movement, baby.
2: We're
1: going to change education. Check out Com. I'll say it again Teach Teaching reading uniquely averse, underperformance, true school is here, now let's be clear, our impact will be enormous to the people across this nation, eagerly anticipating, a sound from the streets that's so unique, it'll transform education. This is school, the killing field, where they killer love of learning and our children for real. That's the deal. Now we gotta change things around, close gaps down. This a new sound truth school. This is this radio show, ShumbleBig.com, flow case you ain't know. And now we gonna change things. One school at a time, one rhyme at a time. Yeah, we gonna shine. Time to shine media, yes. Yeah, we've been blessed, putting sucker to the test. So teaching reading so uniquely, that's right. Got to make you think deeply. Uh, teaching reading uniquely to reverse underperformance. True School is here. Now, let's be clear. Our impact will be enormous to the people across this
3: nation. Yes, brothers and sisters, welcome. Welcome again to another segment of True School Radio here on the Keys 107 Network. I'm your host, Shungo Blake, also known as Mr. B by my students. Also known as the Hip Hop Principle, but uh the, the name that I like best or the title that I like best is Brother because it simply means the other part of yourself. Uh, I wanna let you know that if you wanna call in today and make comments, questions or just, you know, tell us what you think about the show, tell us what you think about what you're hearing. You can call the number two one three nine four three 3618 and press number 1 on your keypad. That is 213-943-3618 three, three, and press number 1 on your keypad. Um this week's uh show is going to we're going to deal with the the term at risk youth. What does it mean? Uh how do we define it and what are we doing to address it? Uh in our school system, you hear a lot about young people um both in the schools and in their in their community that are involved in behavior that would be considered at risk. It could be uh gang behavior, it could be being involved in the selling of narcotics, it can be uh a number of issues, um just not attending school, high absenteeism rate, uh hanging out and just really no focus and direction. And and I always uh I'm a firm believer that that when we look at our children, it's not just the the, the the academics. It's the social that impacts on the academics. And what do I mean by that? A lot of times we look at young people who are failing in school, and we think, well, they can't read or they, they, they're, they're low-functioning. And a lot of times these students who are defined as low-functioning, really, or high-functioning students, it's just that they have several social things going on in their life that uh, distract them from really focusing on education in the way that they should be. So as a result of uh, consistently drawing their attention to other elements in the neighborhood and not focusing on their studies, they fall behind and eventually fall uh, fall in between the cracks. But this does not mean that these young people are not intelligent and with the right guidance cannot be guided right back on track and focused on what they need to do, to become successful young adults. And again, the focus of this program is to start a conversation around solving educational issues. And we want to highlight the problems that plague inner city schools and, and urban communities, but we also want to focus on solutions. We're very good at over-analyzing the problem, but we're not good at coming up with pragmatic solutions to address these educational issues. So we're looking for models of success. We're looking for role models, people who have done innovative and effective things, to come on our show and talk to us about what they're doing, so that maybe that the things that they're doing can be duplicated. And of course, I like to always use my example of turning a low-performing middle school into uh, one of the uh, uh, top schools in the district for reading, math, and science. And if you want to find out about my work and what I do around educational reform, then you can get in contact with me by going to www.shungoBlake.com and go to True SK Consultant page. That's www.shungoBlake.com and go to True SK Consultant page, or like us on Facebook by going to Facebook slash shungoBlake.com. Or yes, there's another or. Follow me on Twitter at jungleplay. So, this week we're going to be talking to a very uh, um, interesting and effective educator and social worker. His name is Francisco A. Gerardo, uh, and 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 he's innovative because he. He he has his hands involved in a number of things. On one sense, he deals with social work and he works with young people, what we would consider at risk youth and their families. And on the other side, he does music production. He's very involved in hip hop, and he has a, a, a coming of age story that I think will will positively impact those of you who are listening. And I, I want to say this to you right now: If you have young people in your house, tell them to come sit down. Listen to the program. Let's let's sit with our children together and begin a conversation because I think what he's going to be talking about today is going to absolutely uh save lives. And so I want to start off by uh reading you his bio. Um again, Francisco Ajorado, social worker and community organization or organizer. Uh Francisco A. is a is currently a program director at a CBO in Yonkers, New York, and a consultant for a fatherhood program in Queens, and a director of programs who has been in the field of social work, human services for over 19 years. Mr. Harabo is working with communities and individuals with diverse issues such as domestic violence, HIV AIDS, mental health, substance abuse, incarceration, gang prevention, homelessness, and more. Mr. Harazo has a master's in social work degree from Hunter School of Social Work and is working for and is working on his MSW license and CSAC uh, certification. Being born and raised in the rugged streets of the Bronx, Mr. Harazo has a strong passion and connection with the needs and concerns of individuals, communities that are underserved. Mr. Tirado brings a tremendous amount of life experience and is committed to improving the quality of life of individuals and strengthening families in our community where there's a need for change. He's also involved with in music and entertainment. He's also a DJ turn let uh, say this term right, turntablist, producer, hip hop artist, poet, and entrepreneur looking to express his thoughts and visions through music, art, Uh, formed and working with New York community residents. He is the turntablist DJ producer for Division X and co-owner executive producer of Royal Shine Entertainment, which is an independent record company since 2000. He has released several albums with Division X and hosts DJ for BBX mixtapes with Kaya E. Landlord and various reggaeton Spanish hip-hop artists from Latin countries. He, oh, he has worked, performed with signed and unsigned independent artists such as Talib Kweli, Most Deaf, Saigon, Prodigy, Common, La Bruja, Dead Prez, Immortal Technique, Rebel Diaz, Hassan Salam, Red Clay, KS, Grand Omar, Ray Severo, Saigon Ari, Y... Chilo of Grito de Poetas, and a lot more. Much bless ups to those that have been following Division X and BBMX tape, and he says one. I mean, Brother is very diverse, I mean, from the social to the music. I believe that there's a connection between what's happening in our community and the social issues that exist in hip-hop in this current state, and we're going to get into that discussion and dialogue Um. Let me proudly present to you, our guest for tonight, Mr. Francisco A. Jalado. Are you there, sir?
0: Yes, sir. How are you doing?
3: How are you, brother? I'm, I'm so uh, uh thankful that you be, that you were able to join us tonight, and we're really looking forward to you know getting into this conversation and chopping it up with you and just hearing about your experiences and, and what you could bring to us in a way of solutions as it comes to dealing with our young people.
0: Oh man, I really appreciate that. More than welcome.
3: Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna start off. Uh, you, you, I know that you grew up in the Bronx, uh, according to what we read in the bio and based upon some conversations that we've had. What part of the Bronx did you grow up?
0: I grew up in the part on um, Bridge. It's like right up the block from the New Yankee Stadium that they just built on on 162nd and, and Jerome Avenue.
3: Okay, and 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 what was it like growing up in? New
0: York City, especially that part of the Bronx, in in the eighties. Oh man, it was well. First of all, I just want to give a, a little a, a little gift of his history here. That area is like maybe half a half a mile away from Sedwick, um, The birth of hip hop, pretty much, where Cool DJ Herc pretty much started hip hop. You know, so mm-hmm. growing up in around that area back in the late seventies and early eighties, you know, pretty much every way I went. Um, Pretty much everybody understood where I lived Because once I mentioned Yankee Stadium or Sedgwick People knew exactly where I lived Mm. Mm, mm, mm. And and pretty much um, growing up at that time You know, pretty much it was a combination of having fun And going through like a beautiful struggle You know, because there was a lot of um, A lot of burnt down buildings at at that time You know, there was a a lot of empty lots You know, so the visions of the Bronx was pretty much, you know, burnt-down buildings, a lot of empty lots. You know, you had a lot of empty lots with, you know, just mattresses laying around, kids, you know, doing big, you know, um, backhand screens in them and busting their head open and all this stuff, you know, pretty much utilizing what was, you know, what they had access to. And it was abandoned buildings and empty lots.
3: And it's interesting because uh, previously we had Curtis Blow on as a guest. And one of the things that he said was that, uh, um, you know, when people think about graffiti and they think about it as a crime, he said you have to understand during that time time, there were a lot of landlord schemes going on in that that part of the Bronx and they were burning down these buildings and the people didn't have any place to move. And he said the graffiti and the artwork almost came out as as a result of the oppression to say, look, we're here, you're not going to ignore us, you're going to acknowledge us, and 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 it was a way to try to beautify something that was already being uh, torn down and burnt down. They were putting up mm-hmm. beautiful
0: murals and say, "No, we exist and we're here." Did you? Were you a part of
3: that experience? Did you? Did you yes, I was. That when you back, coming of age.
0: Oh, definitely, man. Um, back then, you know, I was a, pretty much I started off as a graffiti artist. Back okay. then, you know, that was the expression that most people was utilizing. There was either graffiti you was break dancing, you or you was DJing. And the MC part of rapping was not really out because the DJ was the one that was emceeing, you or know? he was the master of ceremony. You know, mm. so at that time, you know, there was not a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, there was a couple of MCs, but the DJ was the person who was really rocking the parties, really rocking the mic, and getting people to come on to get on the mic for him. Okay. You know, I um, and I just,
3: guess that's why in early hip hop, you know, you would always hear uh the rap or the m c referred to his d j
0: exactly exactly pretty much every big rock you know rock cam you know that that was a notorious part um run the m c you know there was you know that was infamous there you know because pretty much and even go further back you know when you're talking about cold crush four you know you you know you know you spoke um jazzy five MCs c's Bambata, you know these are people you know that You know, it was about the DJ, and the DJ was the center of the fold, and he was pretty much the center of the group.
3: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I know that, yeah, I know that 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 was a a big part, and it seems like, you know, and I got to refer to something that Curtis Gose said, that it was like, you know, hip-hop, uh had all you know these elements you know you had your graffiti artists, you had your break dancers you had uh mm-hmm. your your uh your rapper and you had your uh d j and he mm-hmm. said and it seems like one of the it's like a family he said and he said, and one of the family members made it big, which was the rapper you exactly know? and and he said, you know as it's evolved, those other elements of hip hop have kind of been pushed to the back but if you're really talking about hip hop You can't talk about hip-hop without those other elements.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And back in the days, if you really listened to um, how, you know, the lyrics of back in the days, you know, people was really expressing what was going on around them. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like the CNN of the hood, you know, because a lot of times, you know, the media and the movies were depicting things that were not necessarily true. And, you know, so a lot of MCs back then took took it upon themselves to really Begin to have people visualize exactly what was happening, you know, because a lot of people were reporting about things, but they were not reporting what was really going on and how people felt about what was going on in their neighborhoods.
3: Hmm. Well, we're gonna stop right there because we're gonna get into all of that and do a little comparison and contrast between back then and now, and you know, is it glorification of violence or is it still depicting of of a CNN type movement, as what you're saying? But we're going to do that when we come back
2: from this quick commercial break. All right. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at six three one three nine nine zero one four nine that's six three one three nine nine zero one four nine the fluffs present the alphabet now found in paperback sporting a five-star rating fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and a gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, tools and accessories, and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for herself or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy, fresh cut shirts for the well-dressed man.
3: Welcome back to the True School Show. Again, this is your host, Shano Blake, and we're sitting here talking to Brother Francisco A. Geraldo, uh, social worker, music producer, entrepreneur, hip-hop historian and, and we're having a very, very uh, powerful conversation about how New York City was. We're talking specifically now about the Bronx in the 80s and the development of hip-hop in that culture. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, uh, uh, Brother mm-hmm. Francisco, um, that's why education is such a critical critical thing, because, you know, when you think about the history history, this history of how hip-hop emerged, what were the social conditions that gave birth to it, um, mm-hmm. Is really not discussed in a very, I would say, comprehensive way, or added into the curriculum in terms of the school. And, and, and it's interesting to see how many, you know, rappers that are out today, who are, you know, successful in doing what they're doing, and really have no knowledge of how something emerged out of nothing. How this exactly. this, 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 this this art form came out of. Has nothingness and 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 was cultivated and developed and evolved. I mean, that really is a, would be a great social studies uh, 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 class. And yes, um, it will be. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And and, and it's <laughs> interesting. I'm talking to you, a social worker, because we know it was social conditions that that mm-hmm. led to the rise of hip hop. Right. Here's a here's a here's a fact that a lot of people don't know. That it was the it was the it was the Uh, economic crisis that New York City was facing in the uh, mid to late 70s. And as a result of that, they took music programs and they took art programs out of the public schools. So now here you have all these young people who have a creative energy, but they had no means in which to express it. So in Mm an indirect way, it is the lack of funding of art and music programs in New York City. That gave that that helped to give rise one of the conditions that helped to give rise to this subculture, which is now a global
0: phenomenon. That's right. Amazing. That's right. I mean, I mean, I remember growing up and going to um, attending junior high school. I attended junior high school 145, and the name of the school was Arturo Toscanini, which was a famous orchestra. I mean, orchestrator. And pretty much, you know, I, w- I remember being in the band, you know, I was playing the saxophone, I played the alto tenor and baritone sax, you know, mm. so I grew up in, a, in starting in junior high school where I was involved in music, I was, I was going to shop, you know, metal shop, wood shop, I even learned how to sew, I went to sewing yeah. shop, you know, in junior high school, so I remember all these programs where a lot of skill development was part of the academic, and I don't necessarily see that today in the schools.
3: And That's a problem. Um you, you know, I I'm a big uh firm uh believer that we yes, students have to be effective writers. Students have to, you know, understand mathematics, you know, when they know how, mm-hmm. you know the three Rs reading, writing and arithmetic. However, there are it's an opportunity, like you said, you know, when they took Wood Shop out, when they took auto mechanics out, when they took mm-hmm. uh certain art and music programs out, they in, in doing so, um they, these were skills that could lead to I, 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 real employment, real opportunity.
1: Exactly. And, and exactly. by doing that, they
3: they they, they limited uh, 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 the student's ability to prosper. I mean, I remember coming up. We used to have a, a thing called co-op program where students could actually leave uh, two days a week and actually work and and get real life training, and then the other three days we come and get the education. So the removal of these kind of programs, I think. Has had a a a, a, a very adverse uh, um, impact on our on, on communities on our communities, specifically Definitely. communities of color. You know? Definitely. But, but what I want to ask you about is I want to shift focus for a minute. Um, uh, when you said you grew up in the Bronx, and we were talking about the eighties. How much different mm-hmm. is do you think it is now in New York City, or do you think uh, today's youth are much different than when we were when we were growing up?
0: Um, you know. That's very interesting because sometimes sometimes I feel it's the same, you know, or, or similar, and then sometimes I feel it's very much different. But I think, I think sometimes when we think about the youth, we also have to think about the parents and who was involved in these youth, you know, in these youth lives because, you know, they had a huge impact in who these youth became, you know. And, you know, so sometimes, you know, as a social worker, you know, I'd be asking questions about the upbringing because that's going to give me a better picture of what the youth had experienced as a young child and how he developed to be a youth and what's going on at the current time. Mm. Um, so sometimes it's not necessarily going on and what's going on at the youth. But back then the youth, we was, I feel strongly that back then the youth, in regards to creativity, there was a, a burning desire for creativity. You know, I remember. You know, everybody just wanted to do something. And, and and whenever we hung out, you know, we were just creating dance moves, creating different fonts of writing, and and working on your penmanship, and and you know, you know, making you know, learning your moves, you know, your stance and b-boying. You know, these were things that were creative, and people were just so involved in that creativity, you know that. You know, we developed games behind it, and and people were involved playing Scalzi's and and Ring Olivia. I mean, there were so many things that people were doing back then that today Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily do because, you know, when you see the kids hanging out, you don't see them playing these games anymore. You don't see them playing with each other, you know, Mm -hmm. and if they are playing with each other, you know, they may be even fighting pretty much, you know, so. And even back then, the – the essence of fighting was important. You know that was the rites of passage to a lot of men. You know people fought. They put up their fights. We fought, and right after that, we were friends. You know, mm-hmm. so you and know, each and, other. and and that's something that I know is not happening today. You know, because young, we all see. You know what kind of violence is going on in the neighborhoods today because there's you know too many young people are dying.
2: Yeah.
3: Now you've been working as a social worker uh for 19 years. Can you t- t- tell me about that
0: work. What, what, what is it like? Wow, well, let me just tell you a bit about how I began to get involved in this in this field. Um, you know, back then, you know, I went through my own life experience and at one point, you know, my life was preserved for for some time. And however, you know, I don't want to really talk too much about that unless there's a lot of questions about it. But once I removed myself from that area, um, I got involved in um, needle exchange where I was going into abandoned buildings and giving, you know, people who were using, you know, needles clean syringes and condoms because Mm -hmm. at that point that's when the HIV epidemic began. In yeah. in our neighborhoods, and there was a lot of activity going on. And you know, one of the uh, one of the approaches that was being utilized is to you know to stop the spread of the um, of the virus was giving people clean syringes so that they don't continue to share. Them. Um, so that's pretty much one of the things that I began to do, um, you know, and getting involved in, in in the community and began my social work endeavors.
3: Wow. So you so that when you started this uh this program, now, this was a program that you were a part of, or how, and and this one well, was one of the ways.
0: Yes, there was a needle exchange program one in the Bronx, and there was one in Lower Manhattan on Avenue C. And mm-hmm. pretty much, you know, we you know we just went into um, what we considered hot spots, you know, where people were hanging out, you know, where there was you know shooting galleries and everything, and you know, and where people were selling their bodies and we just handed out information um, between syringes and condoms and information about programs and services that they can get involved with. Because at that point, you know, know, we wanted people to come in and get screened um, for HIV and AIDS, you know, so that was the whole approach that people were utilizing at that point because there was a lot of activity going on and heroin was very, it was a heavy epidemic at that at that point, you know. So that was one of the approaches that was being utilized in the needle exchange programs in New York City.
3: Wow, yeah, that, yeah, I, yeah, I remember that era. It, that that yes. was uh, uh, and we, I believe we're still suffering from 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 that whole that whole era,
2: even
3: Definitely. to this day. Um, yes. What are the, what we you know? in your work as a social worker, what would you say? And, and I'm, I kind of mentioned this in the beginning of the show. Um, But what are the, like, the what you say are some of the social conditions that prevent our children from achieving?
0: Oh, wow. Well, one of the things, you know, um, the lack of, you know, resources really, you know, that's the first thing, you know, because a lot of young people grow up very poor, you know, where, you know, there's not enough food at times. Um, you know, the parents you know themselves are actually involved with drugs, either they're you know using alcohol or other drugs, and they' hurt you know some you know a lot of these individuals grew up in- the, you know in domestic violence um you know so a lot of times that doesn't give the motivation or the or the focus that people need you know to focus on education you know because you know they're trying to protect mommy or they're trying to protect grandma from, you know, being hurt or being, you know, being screamed at or whatever the case is, or they're trying to protect their little siblings. You know, yeah. so a lot of a lot of young people grew up under these circumstances, and, and then not only that, you know, and yet when they went out, you know, to school or to hang out, you know, they had to deal with the outside world, you know, so there was a lot of dynamics going on, you know, so they had to deal with a lot of things at home that was going on, and then when they went out, to school or experience the streets They were also dealing with the peer pressure You know in the streets And in school because a lot of times you know It begin in the school where you You know you're being challenged or you're being Bullied or you're being spoken about In a negative way
3: 213-943-3618 three, three, Press number one On your keypad if you have any questions Or comments in terms of what we're uh, discussing um, You know I, 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 One of the reasons I know that was a of questions I asked but the reason I asked it is because I, I'm I'm, a, I'm trying to appeal to a a certain um, segment of my audience who might be tuning in, and that's teachers. And and you know, teachers today have a very really difficult job because you know they they're dealing not only with um, you know uh, classes sizes mm-hmm. and being overcrowded, but then they're also dealing with these students who come from different backgrounds and bring different issues within within the classroom, and. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some teachers are very good. I think at seeing past the 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 condition and really seeing the jewel that's really in our young people. You know, others struggle, and then you have and, and with a little support, they get better at dealing with it. And then you have those who I I'm, I'm just going to say it. Who you have some teachers who I call dream killers. They just you know they 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 have already they already have an expectation or a perception in their mind about that young person that's sitting in that in that class.
2: Mm-hmm. And they're writing
3: them off as as the permanent underclass yep. and really doing damage. Um, so I guess you know it's very important to get a social worker's perspective because you deal with the 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 other realities. Like you said, you deal with what's happening at home. Maybe the person that young person doesn't have, have a place to sit down and actually read or a quiet space to study, or they they're taking care of the child because the parent is not present. So mm-hmm. you know how can teachers be more effective? with students from diverse backgrounds who bring to the table different issues in the classroom?
0: Well, the first thing, just like, you know, you mentioned, you know, the the perception of, you know, when a lot of teachers, per, you know, observe a lot of these young kids act out in classes or in the school or in the, or in the schoolyard, you know. You know, the acting out is not, you know, something that's coming from, somewhere, you know, where they just wanna act out and act stupid or act violently. You know, this coming from somewhere where they're trying for attention at times or they actually telling you, please I need some help. I need somebody to actually speak to me because they don't have the skills to actually ask somebody to talk to or to listen to them. You know, they don't have those skills. So how they do it, they they'll act out. Um, you know, because they're trying to represent or whatever it is that they represent in you know in their mind Or you know they they angry Or they frustrated You know because a lot of these kids grow up And a lot of them get attached to What they feel be, You know that they belong to Sometimes they belong to cliques, gangs Whatever it is that they're involved with And that's something that they bring to the schools as well And it could be as young as you know Someone who's nine, ten years old mm-hmm. You know even younger at times You know so a lot of teachers need to just be really attentive and pay attention to, you know, not to just, you know, look at the behavior itself, but to also how to separate the person from the behavior. Because a lot of times the behavior is about something that's going on or something that this person is really frustrated about and needs some attention and needs someone to talk to.
3: As a social worker, do you do you, uh, do you uh, go into a lot of different schools and talk to the teachers and kind of say, here, I'm, I'm here representing this particular person and I'm another layer of support? And how does that relationship work if you do?
0: Well, there was at times when I remember going to, you know, um, not quite sure what it was, career days. I used to go to high schools and junior high schools to speak to, kids about, you know, how I became a social worker and what I needed to do, Um, and also spoke about the struggles, you know, and how I struggled going to school and everything when I was a young kid, you know. And, you know, even then when I was there, you know, there was a lot of teachers asking me questions about, you know, how did I accomplish all of this, you know, because I was very transparent in regards to what I experienced in my younghood and because a lot of things that I experienced were not too good. And, you know, so that itself, I know a lot of people when I do speak about those experiences, people have perceptions, and these are the same perceptions that the teachers have with these young kids. You know, and a lot of times, you know, sometimes the conversations are great, but sometimes it's not because people walk away with, you know, still having that perception and not challenging themselves to really begin to look at, the, you know, the behavior and separate the person from the behavior and really begin to say what is really happening and begin to question instead of reacting or just saying, you know, this person has, you know, has to get evaluated and needs to be on medication, with you know, and put this person through the ringer in regards yeah. to now being diagnosed or something. Something is sometimes is just giving that kid some attention, um, beginning to, Create an atmosphere for that, you know, for these kids to really thrive and learn. Because sometimes they're screaming for creativity instead of getting into the books. You know, sometimes you have to have different activities, and and you know, in, you know, in the process of it, of education, even the gym today is not really what it is what it used to be back then. You know, mm. so people, the kids are not having the exercise. They're not running around. They're not having fun. Because education is supposed to be fun. And I think at times, you know, the, you know, they, um, the system, the educational system has taken the fun of the school. And, and you know, because even the gym is being compromised.
3: Yeah. It's interesting that you say that. And that goes into the whole teachings to test, you know, um, everything being so scripted in the way that the curriculum is laid out that it doesn't leave, you know, to be to be fair to teachers. Doesn't give them an opportunity to have uh, the, maybe the creativity that they would like if if mm-hmm. everything is so scripted and structured. Um, That's true. And, and then the thing, and, and, and then and then and this is all supposed to be happening in the name of uh, student achievement, but um, when you look at the, the the data, the students still are not functioning. So mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, someone somewhere has to begin to begin to rethink. You know what 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 the approaches are and what they're doing. Um, in terms of social workers and guidance counselors, I asked this uh, a young lady who's a mental health professional and also a poet, I asked her, you know, um, do you think that, 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 that counselors and social workers are doing a good job in terms of in the public relations piece, helping people who are in decision-making understand how vital their role is to be in these schools, work with the staff, work with the parents and the teachers, because uh, a lot of times when programs get cut, the first places that they cut are um, the mental health areas. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know that when Yonkers went through their budget uh, crisis in the school, they cut the counselors, the social workers, and that's the first place that they cut. And I'm sitting here saying to myself, is it that, They don't care, or is it that we're not doing a good enough job in helping them to understand the vital role that mental health plays in the overall academic success of a child?
0: Well, there's a combination of things going on, I feel, you know, because I strongly feel they understand that the mental health piece is very important. It's just that, you know, I don't want to begin to, you know, bring in, you know, these racist piece and everything, but... You know these systems. Sometimes, you know, the first money that they begin to cut are the services, just like you mentioned. You know, mental health and the services that underserved people need. You know, and when you begin to pull away the services and the and the and the activities that um, these people need, you know, you are actually beginning to you know create time bombs. You know, because now if these people don't have access to to services or, or to activities that they may need, they're going to, you know, they're going to begin to act out or begin to get involved in activities that are not going to um, assist or enhance, you know, what they need to be doing in regards to education. You know, so they're not going to be focused. They're going to be focused on other activities, and most likely, you know, they're going to get involved in other stuff where they're not going to progress. A lot of times that's why teen pregnancy is high. You know, that's why people begin to get into other activities, begin to explore with sex, drugs, you know, and other things, and you know, because they don't have access to these activities anymore, um, and they don't have access to someone to speak to, to begin to, you know, lay out a plan and and begin to challenge the young person and, and begin to actually, yeah. you know, and begin to actually, you know, develop a relationship where now you're playing the role of a mentor and begin to really challenge these you know, these young people and, and begin to teach them how to make better decisions for themselves, how to begin to look at options and probe around all these things and, and begin to really play around with all of this and begin to realize that there's, you know, that this world is really a lot bigger than what they think and that they're capable in moving forward and and, and creating a, um, you know, self-sufficiency for themselves. Mm, absolutely.
3: Yeah, yeah. You, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, you're absolutely right in I just, I just, I guess, I just, uh, I just, get, I get overwhelmed sometimes when I think about the great disservice that we're doing to mm-hmm. young people by not having people in there who can, like you said, be a mentor to them, who can help them figure out a plan. You know, like you said, sometimes they just need someone to talk to and, mm-hmm. and, and to give them some guidance and, and, and to not have people there who are, mm-hmm. who are who are professionals who know how to come up with a, 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 a plan with a young person, understand the social realities of what they're dealing with and help them overcome that I think that that, that really is doing a disservice. I mean some of the money that we're spending on all of these tests and data collection
1: mm-hmm. needs to
3: be redirected to putting That's in right. systems of support, the systems of academic help and 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 and, and Putting guidance, counselors, social workers, and psychologists in there to deal with the family problems because a lot of times it's rooted in family
0: issues. Exactly. Definitely. You know? Most of it comes from family issues, you know. I mean, let me just say, you know, you know, you just begin to speak some of the things that I have, you know, experienced with a lot of young people that I work with, you know. A lot of times, you know, a lot of young people come beat down. You know, then you could you know, you could feel the weight on them, you know, and and the frustration and anger and you know, they you know, and when you begin to ask questions, you know, and begin to, you know, peel on the onion as they say, you know, when you you know begin to you know, begin to peel on down on these layers and everything and begin to work on the core, you know, you begin to realize what's really happening here. You know, a lot of times I notice that, you know, I asked them, you know, when was the last time somebody, you know, said they love you? And you'd be surprised what a lot of these young people say. Sometimes never, or as young as four, five, six years old. Was the last time, you know, and and you know when you know what's the last time somebody hugged you? You know they don't get all of this stuff. So you know a lot of these kids grow up with this like this cocoon around them because you know or, or a shell all around them because you know they haven't been able they haven't been supplied with the love and the care that yes. they need, you know, in order to develop you know, as a great human being or, or a great young person or a or aspiring, somebody who's eager to learn and, and thrive and do something that's great for themselves or for their family, whatever it is, you know, because you see great stories coming out of the our hoods, as they say. You hear them, you know, but that's not enough happening, you know, because mm-hmm. we begin to look at, you know, these sports figures who come out of the hood, and but, you know, that's, we cannot put all our eggs in these baskets at times because a lot of kids focus on becoming rappers and basketball players, and that's great, but we have to look at the odds that's against a lot of these kids because of the education, but the um the educational background or the motivation or the focus that they need.
3: You know, brother, you said something that was so profound just now, and that was, you know, when when is the last time, you know, a young person – was 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 uh, told that uh, that by someone that they that they were loved, and mm-hmm. and I tell you that. What well, did Let me tell you about the hood. <laughs> i just tell you, but let me just give you my, my my take. There's a there is a lot of young people who have developed a defense mechanism
1: mm-hmm. against
3: um. Being treated in a brutal manner. You know, if you, if, if you come at a young person hard today, they got a they got a defense for that. You know, you curse That's them out, ain't a problem. They numb to that. They curse you out more. You yell at them, they shut you down. You know, you you can't crack that. With, you can't crack them with hostility. But the one defense, and I've seen young people break down. I've seen it with my own eyes that they do not have. They do not have a defense. For someone really embracing them and saying, "I love you, that's right. I mean it penetrates immediately, and I really believe that part of the acting out i mean w- let's look at games why why do what 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 are one of the reasons why you have to say, "Hey, I joined a game because my gang, my, my game shows me love that's right you know that's right. So the, and the game becomes my like familiar, so now it becomes my family that's you know right. in terms and and, and 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 what's happening is because Family has been totally uh, destroyed or been disintegrated, then they look for family elsewhere. And a lot of times, the family that they're looking for, the love that they're looking for, leads to self destruction. Like you said, it could be through, you know, they could be involved in some kind of illegal activity, drugs, gangs, mm-hmm. or warfare, or teenage pregnancy, what have you. But they, what they're really looking for is love. So, to me, the element that is missing in school is
2: love. And, right. and I don't
3: mean that's right soft love. I mean love that holds you accountable and says you're going to be somebody, and we're going to make sure that you succeed. You know, we, I, you know, when we were going to school, you know, like education was like a mission. You know, mm-hmm. you, you went to school not just to be educated, but you went to school because you, your whole community was counting on you. You know, I've right. heard that speech several times. Hey, you know, don't don't let down. You, you you have a good name, don't let down your family name, and don't that's let down right. your community. You're going to school because you're going to be the one that's going to make it and come back and improve our community. And that message needs to be reintegrated back into the curriculum. You know? Exactly. But, that's but we're something going to take that's... another quick commercial break, okay. and when we come back we're going to continue this conversation. So we'll be right back after this commercial break. Right. Hello, is my engineer there? What's going on, man?
0: Is this JR? No, this is, this is Francisco.
3: Okay, I, I don't know what happened. Uh, So we, I guess we're not going to take a commercial break. We'll keep on going. <laughs> and we'll okay. We'll take commercial break <laughs> later on. But, you know, um, I just want to say that, you know, to my listening audience, please let us know. What are the educational issues that are important to you? Let us know. Let us know. You can contact me again at Treat, uh tweet me, at uh on Twitter at Shungle Blake or go to Facebook, Facebook slash Shamoblake dot com. And again, if you have any questions or comments about what we're talking about today, you can call us at two one three nine four three three six one eight, the number one, on your keypad. So brother, listen, are schools yes. in our in your opinion, are the schools in our communities properly educating our students?
0: Um I would have to say as a whole, no. You know, I mean you see pockets of it, you know, you see a lot of schools who are thriving, you know, to be to be creative and, and you know, and developing, you know, different, you know, um curriculums and everything which I you know, which is great, but it's not happening as at, in the in the in the volume that it needs to occur, you know, because we we see the young people still struggling. I see it. You know when I when I speak to these young people, you know sometimes they go into great schools, but I hear some of the horror that that goes on in these classrooms at times, where you know you know um you know um teachers get frustrated, you know and 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 they don't really just you know they don't really take control and really begin oh they don't begin to really put out the love and the care. Because sometimes, you know, you have to utilize that as a weapon, you know, to really begin to take control of the classroom. You know, but mm. instead people begin to get frustrated. And when, when a teacher gets frustrated or angered, now you, the teacher begins to lose focus just as the students are losing focus. Mm.
2: Mm. You know,
0: and cause I, I've seen it myself sometimes when I was going to school myself. You know, we used to, you know, we used to sometimes do things on purpose. You know, growing up, you know, sometimes we, you know, yeah. back then, you know, you know, we did some of that stuff too. You know, so we used to frustrate teachers and, you know, we used to make them, you know, get flushed and everything. But, you know, when you see the teachers who are really caring, when you begin to see somebody who's being, who's consistent and who's not going to back down, you begin to respect this person, and now you begin to really care about. Wow, this teacher really. Make may care now. He's being consistent. He's not playing or she's not playing. And now you begin to realize, man, well, maybe I need to pay attention, man, you know. And that's why it's important for teachers to be consistent and, and, and stay on top. Don't, you know, don't lose, you know, don't lose the focus. Be consistent because that is something that they, for the most part, they don't have. Their parents are not being consistent, you know. So for the most part, there's not someone, you know, on, you know, caring for them and being there consistently for them and and really focusing and saying, I'm here for you. You know, I'm here to guide you. Don't worry about it. I got your back. Go ahead. Go through your thing. You know, and that's something that a lot of these young people are missing. They don't have the support network. They don't have the support. You know, they don't have someone pushing them and saying, hey, I'm here. I'm I'm, I'm playing the cheerleader for you. Mm.
3: You know, The key word you said is consistency. I mean, and and I think that, you know, it's one thing to say, but words plus actions equal results. And when they see that you're consistently there for them, I think you're beginning to see a change in their heart and then a change in in, in what they're bringing to the table. Now, I know that um, you work up in Yonkers with a group of young ladies and and you do a lot of social work with, uh, uh, I would say, preteen to teenage girls. Mm-hmm. what are some of the issues that the young that you deal with in terms of helping young ladies? you know I know that's a whole nother thought. oh man
0: yes, uh-huh man some you know well, one of the things that you know I begin to work you know in regards to working with young ladies is sometimes it's really about prevention decision making, you know, and really you know self esteem self worth you know woman's worth you know, all these things that a lot of times um, a lot of young ladies, you know, are losing, are not really paying attention to it, you know, and those are the things that at times I begin to plug into them, you know, begin to have them think about, you know, how to make better decisions, you know, when they're dealing with these adversities at times and dealing with young men or their parents or challenges or the puberty or these, you know, um, you know their the you know the sex drive growing, whatever it is that they're dealing with. You know how to begin to communicate with someone because for the most part, a lot of young girls lose out on that. Even when they're getting you know the you know the menstrual for the first time, a lot of parents don't sit down with them and begin to educate you know them in regards to what how they need to take care of themselves at this point. Um, a lot of parents get scared or they panic or they don't want to deal with it because, you know, they get scared now that they're going to probably educate them too much to the boy and now they're going to start having sex. You know, wow. so, you know, and, 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 and sometimes I sit down with parents who come in with their young, you know, child, you know with their teenage, um, you know, son or daughter because they don't know how to, be, you know, communicate with their, you know, with their son or daughter. And sometimes the parents also have to come in to sit down and begin to develop skills themselves and how to sit down with their, with their young daughter or young son who who at this point, you know, they're 16 and they don't want to sit down with their parents because their parents have been pretty much alienating them or judging them for what they've been thinking or stating, you know, because you know, a lot of kids become very verbal and and a lot of parents don't understand it. They think that they've been disrespectful. But, uh, you know, it's not that. It's just that they're fighting for their independency. You know, and, and, and it's about teaching them and, and and allowing them to really begin to work on that because they need it. You know, and, and if parents don't realize that they need it, you only, what you're doing is, you know, it's like undeveloping or not letting them develop those skills. And now when they become 18 and you're trying to buckle them out your home, they're not prepared to deal with the real world. You know, they don't even have the skills to make the proper decisions and, and how they're going to be able to pay bills or handle whatever it is they need to handle. Wow, you know, so is the cool. education sometimes, you know, a lot of times we, you know, we definitely have to focus in, in in regards to what the educational system is doing. But sometimes, you know, remember, you know, sometimes we, sometimes not that we tend to forget, but we tend to not really focus that sometimes the parents, the home, is the first educational, you know, forum for these kids, and and if that process doesn't really occur the best way possible. You know by the time these young people get into the double digits, you know you know it's like damaged goods, you know, and a lot of times we have to really begin to also work with the parents and begin to assist them in in developing the skills that they need to develop um and you know sitting down with the you know young um child and begin to communicate and converse about the issues that they're going through. You know, a lot of parents don't know what's going on. That's why when you hear about these bullying cases, you know, the parents are shocked. Oh, my God, I, didn't, I, I never knew my daughter or my son was being bullied all these years. Well, that's why because a lot of parents are not paying attention, because you know, they get caught up on their jobs, you know, they come home after having a hard date, and, you know, they don't want to really be bothered with what's going on. They don't, they're not even helping them with their homework. You know, so, you know, how are you going to expect your child to really respect um, what you want them to do when you're not giving them the attention that they need, and sometimes that's how that's why they begin to act out. You so know, that, you, know, it so makes, they, you know, you know, so the ahead. education forms sometimes I sometimes as a social worker I that's why I ask a lot of questions about what what has happened in the past. You know what happened while you was growing up. You know, you know that you you know will you converse? You know, did someone sit down with you to converse? About you know growing up you know now that you're 13 you know has someone educated you about your hygiene and how to take care of yourself and a lot of times you'd be surprised you know it doesn't happen for the most part it doesn't happen at all wow
3: and
1: you know
0: and and and, and about... you no know, I mean I've dealt with young girls talking about prostitution as as early as 12 years old wow wow you know so so you know you have to. Parents have to be involved because why is a 12-year-old getting involved in sex at that mm. age? And on that, and on that level. Exactly. You know, so obviously someone is taking advantage of them, you know, and these are things that I'm just going to, you know, I'm giving people details about what these young girls are reporting back. You know, this is these are things that is not going to allow them to be focused while they're in school, and that's why – you know, you know, parents and teachers need to be more attentive, and and really pay more attention to what's, you know, to the possibilities of what's going on there.
3: Wow, you're you're really giving us some some great information, and I really thank you for it. And it's and I I really believe by talking about these issues and bringing them out to the forefront, you know, then you can begin to start to craft
0: solutions.
3: Um, exactly, and not only an solution
0: but the, also the sense of Belonging, because once you begin to communicate with young people, you would be surprised. you would be surprised, you know, how they feel about somebody paying attention to them, asking them, you know, how you doing, just a simple question. Oh, how, how was your day? You know, how you doing? How's school going? You know, just those simple questions. you would be surprised, you know, young kids' face, you know, light up, because sometimes for the first time someone is paying attention.
3: It's so funny that you say that because I remember when I was an assistant principal in Yonkers, in Lincoln High School, and mm-hmm. um, when I first got the attention between the young people and adults, you could you could cut the air, you know, the young people and adults, no connection at all, and, and and I did something that was very simple. It was almost like a science experiment. I would position myself every morning, and when the students came in. I would say good morning to everybody. Look them in their face and greet every student that passed me. And some would look like look at me like I had six heads. <laughs> Others would <laughs> chuckle, you know, they. You know some would respond. Mm-hmm. And I kept on doing it, kept on doing it. And after a month, every student that walked through that door, good morning, Mr. Blake, good morning, Mr. Blake, they looked for their good morning before they walked in the door. And That's right. the other thing that happened was that I had an opportunity by, by doing that, it gave me an an opportunity to gauge and see what their spirit was like. So I could Mm -hmm. say good morning to a student, and a student kind of like, you know, wasn't their normal self. I said, hey, what's going on? You all right this morning? Oh, Mr. Blake, you know, we just, you know, uh, uh, my house came down last night. You know, we had a fire or, you know, my mother and father split or this took place or that took place. So it let me know as an administrator what was going on, and then I knew how to get them support during the day. And also, mm-hmm. it, it also prevented other incidents because that sort of comes in and they're on edge. All the takes are exactly. someone to rub them the wrong way, and then you know we got World War Three going on in the building. So, that's right. You know when you, you know when you said like these these little ways of engaging uh, uh,
0: have a great impact. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, I mean, and that's you know, and I'm and I'm also giving people a piece of the reason why I was able to really become the person that I became, you know, because, uh, you know, I want to throw out something. You know, back then, you know, there was a lot of things that I experienced. And, you know, I even made it to prison, you know. And, you know, growing up was tough, you know, and I got involved and, and made poor choices and decisions, and I ended up really dealing with things that I never wanted to deal with. And and, so and it wasn't me that ask you a ab-
3: question. Let me ask you a question. How did... How did that experience, you know, your own upbringing, help mm-hmm. you better to understand the issues that that the clients that you deal deal with uh, today? How has that made you a more, you know, a, a, a more effective social worker?
0: Well, one thing, you know, you know, just I, I just have a passion, you know, to really help, you know, young people and families, whoever it is, you know, it really doesn't matter. It's just. I have a strong passion. You know, that's the first thing that I walk into what I do. You know, you just, you know, I have, I do my best to have fun with this. I do my best to really focus on people's needs and really begin to exercise and challenge people, Um, you know, work out, you know, a plan where they could begin to work on self-sufficiency and self-dignity, you know, all these things that a lot of times, you know, a lot of young people don't have the, the opportunity. So I come in with some a lot of life experience as well you know i know how it feels you know to be down and out as a young you know young man i know what it feels to make poor decisions based on you know trying to represent for something you know that's not true you know i know what it is to you know uh, brag and boast and and, and fight over nonsense, you know, stepping over somebody's shoes or bumping and you know, I know what it is to go through all these things. And, and 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 as you get older and get wiser and you really begin to learn, you know, because a lot of times, you know, but you know, a lot of people are quick to say a lot of young people especially are quick to say, Oh yeah, you know, I've been through a lot You know, that's great. But, you know, the only way you could say I have life experience is when you actually learn from what you went through. You know, so the question is, uh, you know, are, are people learning from their mistakes? And a lot of times, people most for, for the most part, people are not. And, mm-hmm. you know, having common sense is not so common in our society anymore as well. You know, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's really breaking down um, in regards to the reasons why people are not focused and don't have the proper skills to make good decisions. You know, it's because, you know, it's, it's a lot of stuff going on. People are being... Blinded by all this glamour, sneakers, and and all this stuff going on, shows on TV. There's so much what I call gook, you know, and cloudiness going on that block people from achieving their personal goals, and people fall in this trap. You know, so. Like you said, the TV, uh, you're watching
3: TV that's scripted and they quote reality. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean. So
2: That's
0: growing up, amazing to me. no, I mean, seriously. So growing up and and going through these experiences and and begin to really look at them for you know in a different light and begin to learn and begin to process. You know, why am I going? You know, why am I? Why do I keep using the same approach, thinking that I'm going to end up with a different outcome? You know, I have to challenge myself. I have to say, hold up, there's something going on here. Why am I? Using the same approach. You know, I need to change my approach, you know, to get to the outcome that I want. Because obviously if I keep using the same one, I'm going to keep getting the same result. And a lot of times it's about, you know, pulling yourself out of the picture and becoming a spectator of your life. Wow. You know, and those are skills and those are things that I teach young people and how to begin to utilize skills and, and, and things to begin to look at situations and what's really happening here. Sometimes you have to step out and be a spectator of the situation or your life. Okay, let me look at this from the outside world. Let me look at this objectively, you know, I mean, you know, objectively, instead of, you know, putting my feelings and emotions here. Let's look at this for what it is. I'm making poor decisions at the end of the day. I'm not looking at all my options. You know, there's something going on here because I keep ending up in the same place, dealing with the same emotions, and now my anger just keeps building and building and building. It's like the Incredible Hulk, you know? You know, the ang- the more anger, the stronger, you know, and, and you see it in some of these young men and, and young, even young ladies. You know, you have young ladies fighting. I mean, you see it all over the internet, you know, women just, young girls fighting. Now you have even parents Putting their children to fight you, you know you, I heard a couple of stories about that you know this is it's just getting out of hand, so you have even parents who are you know doing the same thing that the young people are doing, so now they didn't, the, you know so now they, their kids are looking at this, and of course they're not going to respect their parents, so there's, there's so many dynamics, so many things going on that is really really just doing a huge disservice to these young folks, and that's yeah. why we need to pay closer attention. And you know, so that's why when I begin to work with young people, I really, really, I be, you know, I don't judge them. I really look at the situation very objectively, and I begin to really challenge them, you know, because sometimes they haven't been challenged, you know, their creativity haven't been brought out, you know, you know, and because they have it, it's all, and, you know, they have what it takes to make it happen. It's just that someone has to be caring and loving enough to spend the time that it takes to pull it out, to assist them in pulling it out of them.
3: And you're right about that. Um you're so right because a lot of times they they, they put up the defense mechanisms first. So you might get uh you might have to take a lot mm-hmm. before you can break through um and like you said that that word consistency allows you to tap into them and, and moving forward. But, again, that's not who they are. That's just the, how they have been shaped and formed based upon, like you said, the the, the social realities that exist
1: mm-hmm.
3: in their lives. So, you it's know, a especially lot of when, we're, 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 yeah, when we're, we're adults and, you know, we come in and say, we we want to help you. And, in fact, like, yeah, well, so did my mom said that too, and she abandoned me. You know, my father, he's going to walk around. You exactly. Know, I, you know, how many more adults are going to walk out my life? Why should I trust you? You know, that's so right. we have to get past all of that first,
0: that's so You right. can
3: even begin to have the conversation. And that means you gotta love them more than they love themselves.
0: At that, point. that's right. Actually, you know. sometimes that's a tactic that I use. Sometimes mm-hmm. I tell them, I said, "Listen, let me love you until you can love yourself. Let me mm-hmm. you know. Let me in. Let me help you. Allow me. You know, mm-hmm. I, these are things. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, depending on the case that I may have." I may, you know, I may go to some extent and be like, you know, allow me. I'm here. I, you know, I speak in that tone and really begin to break down that war, whatever it is, you know, begin to break down on it. Sometimes it takes, you know, three, four, five sessions. But if it takes that, let's work on that, you know, because I'm not going anywhere. This is my job, you know, and, and, and these are the necessary steps that I have to utilize in order to begin to assist some of these young people, because I want to assist them to become, you know, because at the end of the day, pretty much, they're my neighbors. <laughs> so, <laughs> so at the end of the day, <laughs> if I don't help my neighbors, you know, they're going you know, to rob me. They're going to take what I, you know, so I have to assist them and help them. These are my neighbors. Mm. Yeah. You know, so, you know, these are the things that I begin to because that, you know, somebody gave that love and that attention to me. And sometimes you know I'm just recycling what was given to me, because I'm a pr- true believer that knowledge, if if it's stagnated is is not knowledge. you know knowledge is only knowledge when you begin to recycle it. You know you have to re- keep recycling the knowledge that you've been given in the attention you know so I'm using the same um um approaches that was utilized with me. I'm utilizing it with others because I'm here as a as a as a tool you know um as a as as a as a example of what can happen if you if you really get the attention you know and, and and the and the love and caring that you need to begin to focus on what you need to do to become self sufficient you know i didn't become a social worker overnight you know it took a lot of work you know, I have three different degrees from three different colleges, and I even went back to college for a, a, another certificate. You know, so these are things that I began to do to invest in myself because I did not understand that back then. I didn't know what what was investing into myself was. You know, I thought it was just hanging out and chilling with the homeboys. Ah, I'm investing my time with you. No, no, hold up. So I began to realize what what am I doing here? What's my self-worth here? You know, and, and those I you, things. And those are the things that I begin to work with young people. You know, I challenge them. Let's sit down. Let's let's talk about how many hours you have under your belt. You know, because some of these young young men or young ladies, they don't even go to school at times, so they have so much time. And I begin to have them realize how they're utilizing their time, how much time they have in their hands, and how they're utilizing it, because you'd be surprised the amount of hours they hang out. They don't do anything.
3: You're a great example because you know for you to come from your 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 own personal struggles and and, and and your upbringing to like you said three different degrees from three different colleges. You know it's one thing I would say like if a person has always been physically fit, right? They're okay, they can teach you how to be physically fit because they know they know something about exercise. But mm-hmm. it, it, I think it's more powerful. Let's say a person was out of shape. And became physically fit. they understand mm-hmm. not only they understand the process they understand the emotion they understand the setback they understand mm-hmm. the tweaking and revising and so when i when I listen to your life brother Francisco, and what you've done, you know you did, you came up you came up the hard side of the mountain you know mm-hmm. and in, and in so doing you you the the, the process has taught you invaluable lessons, and it put it positions you perfectly for the kind of work that you're doing you know mm-hmm. but, I, would, but I, don't, I i i gotta jump into this and want to shift gears for a moment okay. how long have you i want you to tell me um how long have you been involved in hip hop and I wanted to know a little bit about um we had spoken before about the kind of music you're doing today with the reggae tone hip hop and bringing mm-hmm. the Latin. Infusion into your company. Uh, just, you can just give us a broad based piece of how you started and what you're doing now with your company.
2: Oh, wow, man, how I started. Uh-huh, so well, a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah. well let me just tell people I'm, you know, Tell my age and everything. I started DJing like late 1979, 7, 1980. I remember even my first song I threw on was Michael Jackson, um, Don't Stop you Getting Up, I, I Believe, you know. <laughs> yes. Which is interesting. You know, and so I came up in the fir- in the essence of hip hop when it first began. I was I was a, a spectator of it. You know, I used to go to the jams. You know, Skate Key. You know, Key Connection, Harlem World. You know, the Boys Club. You know, I seen Cold Crush Brothers perform. That was you wow. know those were my idols: Jazzy Five, Bambada, all these um you know um um Flash you know, doing the beatbox box with the machines, all those things. These are the things I grew up. These are things that a lot of times, you know, um artists today don't have the reference to, you know, because a lot of people don't speak about it. You know, I'm so happy that I still see people like Caz and Bambata and Ku Herb, you know, still involved in doing lectures and workshops and just speaking about these things because these are the things that's needed to really speak about the history and, and begin to educate people about, you know, what we do, because this is the culture that has been developed for us to utilize, you know, to, to, to enhance ourselves, you know. A lot of times, you know, there's so much money involved being made in regards to what this culture has brought to the table. You know, so we, you know, people have bought homes and, 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 you know, living great lives, billionaires and millionaires. And, you know, so we have to understand that this is something that was created, just like you said earlier, from nothing. You know, I remember back in the days, we used to go and party. We didn't get paid for it. We just did it for the love of hip-hop. You know, there was, you know, we didn't look at money. And if you paid us something, great. And if you didn't, great, too, because we wanted to rock we wanted to really put out, you know, our creativity out there. We wanted to express ourselves. It was it was that important because we wanted to really put out, well, you know, it was a way of actually dealing with our anger, frustration. It gave us an outlet to really express ourselves instead of bottling in all this all these emotions. You know, when you hear, you know, white lines you know, come on. That that's you know is a reference. It would tell you what was going on at at those times. The, you know, the, the the lyrics are so visual. It, you know that it it just provokes you to be like, oh wait, hold up. This guy is actually giving us you know a vision of what was going on at those times. You know, and that's how you know when you realize you know some of the great MCs that's been in place. That's why they've been great MCs because they've been able to. Give people visions of what they was really speaking about. Biggie Smalls, Nas, you know, you know, all these people, you know, Jay Z, they've been able to do it because they give you visions. It's like it's like watching a film at times when you listen to these folks, and you know, and that's what makes a good poet, a good writer. You know, they actually so good because they are actually taking you in, and you and it's like you experiencing it. You know, <laughs> you know, and those are the things that sometimes is the same. Approach that I utilize in social work You know, it's like I'm trying to really Get in there and really begin to You know, manipulate the situation And begin to provoke people To, you know, think about the situation And become creative in developing a plan That's going to get them to that vision That they have, you know, because I also speak a lot About that, that vision I know you have a vision of how you want your life to look like I know you want good things In your life I know you want an apartment on nice car, a nice job I know you do Now, let's talk about how you're going to make that happen and why you're not in the process of, you know, making it happen right now. Let's talk about why you're not there right now. Let's go. Mm. You know, and those are the things that I begin to really, you know, speak about because once you, and I speak in this tone that I'm speaking right now to you as well because I speak with that passion and letting them know, I'm not playing. I'm here for you. Wow. Wow.
3: And so and so now when it comes to the parts that you're working on today uh can you tell me about your company and 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 and, and what what kind of music you you're pushing yes. up? I
0: know you well, told Ro- me Yeah, I'm Royal Shine Entertainment, you know, I'm the DJ and I'm also one of the producers for Division X. You know, there's um two MCs, one, you know, DJ, so my name is DJ Dr. Dust. We got North Star and Mad Dog, you know, and pretty much, you know, a lot of people have called our music so many different things, but at the end of the day, what we tell people, you know, the old oh, man, y'all do hip-hop, we do, and we say, you know, we, we do music at the end of the day because I don't want people just to say, I do hip-hop, I do rap, whatever, or reggaeton, you know, as people say, I just say, you know what, I do music because at the end of the day, when I, when I make my music, I don't come into it saying that I'm going to make this type of beat, I'm going to do this. I, when I get into it, whatever comes out is what I put out. And whatever kind of lyrics, you know, they're going to lay out, they lay out. You know, so it's, we put it together. But it's not, it, it's never we're coming in, you know, into it with a plan. You know, it's that's why it's called creativity. You know, you go into it and you create. You know, and um, so it's about making good music, um, making music that, you know, classic. You know, stuff that is going to provoke you to think. You know things that's you know that's going to make people say wow you know I want to you know that's interesting what you said or wow that's smart or wow you know that's a great that's a great metaphor you know these are things that I always you know when I listen to MCs those are the things I'm looking at but sometimes even some MCs will educate you in their rhymes you know and those are the things those are that that's the essence that I look when I work in music you know you know putting out you know cannon you know cannon blast beats as we say. You know, with hardcore rhymes. You know, bringing a a, a, a sense of, you know, um, uh, you know, putting out a sense of education out there and, and teachings and and, and 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 you know, metaphors and, and using language in a form that's creative and is positive and is and it feels good. You know, because a lot of times, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I hear music today that is and it doesn't move me. And those are the things that I try to do when I work in music. I try to make music that moves people, whether it's physically or, you know, mentally.
3: Let me ask you a question. Have you, uh, have you ever brought those two worlds together, your social work and your, your music
0: background, your hip-hop background? Have you ever married the two? if I met you, what you mean like in doing a so, song like, talking like, about social issues so
3: either, either on a song talking about a socially relevant issue or using hip hop to
0: connect with uh, the young people who you work with and, definitely and, and use definitely. as a piece of therapy definitely sometimes you know when when I begin to work with young people and and, and you know in you, know, cu- you know sessions and months who has passed by where I have developed a, You know, a decent relationship with them And now we're communicating And and now they're telling me more about themselves Sometimes, you know I begin to, you know Because sometimes what happens The young people are listening to music you know, yeah. so sometimes I get involved in what they're listening to, you know, so they be, so we have conversations about hip hop at times and and we begin to talk about what kind of music they talk you know into and you know, and I begin to ask them questions, you know you know who's your favorite artist who's you know just to get a good sense of where they at with music in regards to who they like today and what kind of songs or lyrics they're listening to, and that's you know sometimes I utilize that to begin to figure out where the mindset is at, you know, because sometimes when, uh, you know, sometimes some of the songs you hear that most of these young people are listening to, you could, you know, you could tell what's going on at times, not to say that they're actually doing it, but what's going on here, you know, why you like to listen, you know, listen to these types of music, you know, I don't hear you listening to nothing that's, you know, um, you know, that's going to say something that's provoking. You know, you like the gang-banging stuff. You like the drug-selling stuff, you know. <laughs> and yeah. and sometimes, you know, sometimes you get to begin to ask questions. What's going on, you know, and, and through that process, sometimes I begin to educate people about hip-hop. Um, you know, my experience in regards to what, you know, how I experienced hip-hop when I was younger, you know, growing up in the, you know, 70s and, and 80s, you know, so... And people sometimes, they really want to hear these things because, you know, it's never been done. You're giving them the attention. Again, it's about the attention. You're giving them the love and the care. So, they, they you know, they, they begin to absorb this stuff because you're giving them the time to, you know, they talk and I'm allowing them to express themselves and then I'm giving them some of my expression. So it's a, it's a dialogue. And that's what we want to create because sometimes, you know, you want to create that dialogue and give them that respect and that sense of that Because sometimes that's what they search They want they want to be respected They want to be cared for You know, they want somebody to give them attention And don't treat them in a certain way Because, like I said, sometimes I meet Some of these young people and they're already beat down yeah. So a lot of times I have utilized hip-hop Definitely, you know I have, you know, some, some other In my office, where it, you know, it's interesting When you walk in my office, I have quotes All over the walls Positive quotes, you know you know, you know, um, you know, you, your past is the past. That's why it's called the past. Or, you know, comments, you know, thought-provoking quotes and and comments, you know, from different people, from artists and movies, and because I want people, I want I want to provoke people to think, and it's really about thinking. Is and sometimes, you know, that's a you know, it's a skill to think, and and and, and sometimes the thought process and what people are thinking about it's not necessarily what they need to be thinking about in order to get them where they need to be at or where they want to be at, you know. And sometimes it's provoking them to say, listen, let's utilize a different approach. Let's begin to, you know, even changing sometimes the way they speak and walk and, be, you know, and behave. Sometimes, you know, it's talking about that too, you know, the sag, the pan sagging and all of this stuff. Sometimes, you know, you have to put it out there and, and take risk. You know, let's have a conversation. I'm not... I'm not I'm not judging you, but let's have a conversation about this. You know, do you know the history of, of all this stuff? You know, let's talk about all this all these things. And sometimes when you begin to open the dialogue, you begin to, you know, educate and you know, because now they open to it. Now, you know, you you're going back and forth, they're educating you about who they are and now you're educating them about your information, what you're trying to develop here. Yeah,
3: I I was gonna ask you, um, in terms of hip hop, do you think that there's a market? I'm talking to you now as a as a as a as a, as a producer and a person who runs their own company. Do you think there's a market out there for socially relevant lyrics?
0: Um. Yes, there is. There's there's definitely a market out there. You know, the the, the only thing is that sometimes what happens is that again, you know, sometimes my, my in my opinion. You got the so-called artists, you know, who get into this because they just want to make money, mm-hmm. you know. And then you have the art, you know, the artists who are really, you know, are artists because you're doing this because you're an artist. This is what you do, you know. You know, even if you don't make money, this you're gonna do this, you know, and <laughs> and and and. And sometimes, you know, there is a market out there, but people get caught up. Like, that's why I love my artists like Common, Talib Kweli, Nas, you know, these are people that are not on the limelight. You don't see their videos all the time. You don't hear their music being played on Hot 97 all the time. But they have music that is socially, you know, that is going to provoke you to think, and they speak it in a tone, and in a language that's like, wow, you know, they, 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 you know they're using their tongue a certain way, and it, it's – you know and they speaking about things that are not being spoken about in other in other songs and you know and, and so there is a market out there it's just that, that and that market necessarily people are not making the money that other rappers are making and that's why you know even the perception of some of these you know the rappers who I'm speaking about you don't see them with the bling you don't see them with the chains and and you know sport you know you, you know so it's a different image and a lot of times, you know, that's not the image that a lot of these young people are attracted to. Yeah, it's so true. You know, <laughs> you know, and 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 that's something that you know we have to begin to communicate with them about. You know, what is it about having a, you know, because the first thing a lot of rappers think about, think about, is oh, the first chain, the gold chain. Ah, you know, you you know, you want to get it, you want to get the biggest chain, and you yeah. know, so sometimes you have to begin to realize what's going on here because you hear all these stories about all these rappers who are now broke and had to borrow these chains for, you know, videos and all. You know, a lot of rappers are not really making the money they, you know, pretty much people think they're making. And that's the other thing that people, you know, young people need to realize. You know, not necessarily all these people are making that money like this. You know, the way pe- the perception is out there. Oh, man, you know, some a lot of them are not making it that way. You know, and, you know, so that's something... That we need to educate the young people about, because we need to also educate people you know young people are th- these different markets in hip hop there's different markets so in, in my in, yes, there is a market out there, you know it's just that it's not being exposed as much as the other big corporations and big artists, you know mm. you know right. because you know the, it, you know this you know it's is about how much exposure you know. Is being given to certain people, and you know, you know, common is being exposed. But you know, when you think about, you know, do you see him as much as let's say somebody like Rick Ross, you know, who a lot of young people like at this point, you know, you know, or make, you know, or me, you know, what I'm saying. So these are the things that you know, you know, I begin to speak about, you know, with these young folks because I want people to begin to think, you know, because after a while, what's going to happen? That's why you don't hear a lot of some of these rappers begin rappers when you really think about a lot of these rappers, when they first began, you know, their rhymes were a lot different because a lot of them now, you know, now they became men and now they're 35, 40, and and for the most part, those that are still rhyming, they're not rhyming about the same thing because now they got kids at, you know, 15, 18, so they cannot no longer put out there these songs and these kind of lyrics that are raunchy and talking about stuff that they're not actually doing no more. Yeah. Yeah, Let me being, but we don't know a lot of folks out there, you know, uh, how lying, and, and that's the other conversations that I have with a lot of young people that necessarily a lot of what these young, you know, a lot of rappers are saying is not true. Yeah.
3: You know, we could be here for hours, but unfortunately it's come to the end. <laughs> I got to tell you, brother, brother listen, I want to thank you, uh, Brother Francisco, because this was such an educational um, and informative program, I mean, we kind of touched on a, a little bit of everything, but it all makes sense. Because I mean, it's just, it's just, I just find, I just find it to be interesting because you your social work, you're dealing with social issues, and hip hop came out of a social reality, and the music still drives over what happens in the hood to this day, and so That's you're right. attacking social issues on two fronts. I wish we could. Uh, Continue this conversation. I'm going to have to bring you back for part two. And I just no want to doubt. thank you for coming on and, and, and enlightening us with your, your personal story, your experience, and the kind of work that you're doing. And I hope that the listening audience got as much out of it as I did. And to those teachers out there, take heed. Our children are redeemable. This has been right. a, 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 another week of The True School Show. Uh, We'd like to thank um, our producer. I'd like to thank my engineer, J.R. Strong. Uh, I'd like to thank Brother Jason and Sister Rafika. And until next week, we're out. Peace.
0: All right now.
1: Brother Django?
3: Wow, what's going on with this boy?
0: Hey, Brother Shango, my apologies. This board is, I don't know what's going on, but it's acting up. I have lost all control of it. The views and opinions expressed by any of our guests.